Welcome to the Charity Network News Podcast, inspiring you to make the world a better place. Our host is Lex Lumiere, an award-winning therapeutic artist whose family legacy includes over a hundred years of art exhibits and providing artwork for international non-profit fundraisers. In our show, you'll hear mind-blowing interviews from philanthropy leaders or creative souls, as well as news and insights to help you make a positive impact in your community. Now let's jump into your daily dose of juice. Please join us in creating excellence. Hi, my name is Lex Lumera. I just want to invite you to the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture's People's State of the Union 2021. This is an annual event that they do, and this year it makes it super special because we have the nation's first female vice president. Uh, regardless of political party, we're just excited that there's a woman in office. <laughs> it's kind of huge uh, historically. So this is a landmark year. This project is actually used like a time capsule. So what we do is we get together and we share stories um, that are about inclusion and about community and about how you perceive democracy in America uh, in the future, a hundred years out. So it's a little bit challenging because you really got to kind of play in your mind with what it is that you perceive or what you envision, but it makes you hold a larger vision uh, for what we want this country to be. And so we like everyone's input and it goes into a national system and all of that goes nationwide. So thank you for being here today. This is Elva Trevino and she is with the Champions Club. She's a lot more than just fitness. She's actually like superwoman with a great team. She's highly supported and sponsored in the community and she's been a great help during the winter storm in Texas. So Tell us a little bit about yourself, Ms. Elva. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here and just honored to, you know, uh, jump in with you. I know we know each other, but, you know, to be a part of other, you know, chapters in, in, in arts and culture and, you know, just the topic, it's it's, it's amazing. So I, I'm 35 years old. Um, I'm, I was a daughter of an immigrant. I'm actually, uh, was born in Phoenix, Arizona and moved around quite a lot. So I feel very cultured even outside of my Latin heritage. Um, but yeah, I just love helping people. And, you know, my, my niche has been fitness for quite a few years, but really I'm driven by community and people. And so I feel like what's made such a name for, you know, my name and, and the, uh, the gym and the businesses that we're building, it's really just about serving people in the best way that we can in the seasons that we can. And that may be mm -hmm. through the darkest hour or, you know, the lightest, but um, we actually have a gym here in Houston called Champions Club. Uh, we started catering towards women, but, you know, my, my goal from the beginning was always to help families. And by helping the women first, it was allowing us to get them in the right mindset, um, get them in the right confidence. And so they could go back out and pour into everything and everyone that they love. Mm -hmm. And like what, everything that you do is very impressive. Like I was just looking at the photos just from you getting food and like help distributing food for people that were, you know, uh, food in a food deficit really during the storm. And I mean, you pulled it together really quick, like very yeah. quick. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, I, I think I keep hearing this a lot, but I think leaders just feel responsible. <laughs> I keep yeah. hearing this over and over again. I said that about the snowstorm, but I just, I feel very responsible for doing my part. And I know that there's so much lacking right now. And, you know, however big or small, we all can continue to make this place better, but we really have to think, be even more of an action mindset. So even when we're going through things, we have to remember as leaders, it's our personal responsibility to still elevate other people. 
No, absolutely. I always joke and say that love is a verb. That's true. You know, it's because, you know, one time I interviewed someone who was with a nonprofit and uh, she does a lot of breast cancer and they save like half a million women a year with free breast cancer treatment and very, very powerful. But she said something really interesting to me once. She said, you know, great ideas are wonderful. She goes, we appreciate them. She's like, we appreciate the checks that people cut. She's like, but we actually need people to show up, you know, and I think that's a huge part of life is just showing up. You know, in the arts, we show up all the time because, you know, we never know what they're going to throw at us or what the project is or, you know, what's going on. And for you, you are always showing up. And I really commend you and respect you for that. Thank you. you know, I appreciate it. You do a great job. You really do. And you're surrounded by great people. You know, I had such a great time during the holidays meeting your team and everyone. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think uh, that's been the biggest blessing of all of it. I think we attract, you know, like attract like. And, you know, I think uh, out there, there's so many powerful people, but not all of them click the same way. I think um, I'm more heart driven than I am money driven. And yes, money is a, is a major, major factor to, you know, even building a better mm -hmm. infrastructure so that our snowstorms aren't happening the way they did down here in Houston or giving back, you know, and writing a check and things like that. But there's so much power in community. And when you find other heart driven people that are in it for more than just the money and, you know, they're not afraid to get their you know, hands dirty, just getting in the trenches down with the community to serve and be better leaders. I think that's, that's what really excites me more than just a number. Mm -hmm. Well, and you're investing in people, you know, mm -hmm. you're investing in them, you're investing in their health and in their wellness. And that's huge. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm on the, I'm on the PTSD side, you know, the recovery side of trauma. So you're such an integral part to getting people back to, you know, their full and whole selves. You know, fitness is such a large part of that. Absolutely. You know? So my first question for you is, tell me about how you felt about the government response to COVID-19. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different seasons to that. Um, the government response for being in one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best countries still in the world um, was, you know, it, it, it didn't feel so advanced. And I, I know that there were a lot of people that, especially as a small business owner, um, you know, that took a lot of hits. And, you know, let's put it in perspective for our fitness industry, um, you know, doing some of the closing downs and uh, the, the mask wearing and just, you know, taking away some of our rights and things like that. I think that I'm always about everyone's health, public health and safety. Obviously I own a gym, but I feel like um, it, it was, it was very blatant, blatant how divided our country was in response to COVID. I mean, from different governors taking different types of action and being down here in Texas, we're very different. Obviously uh, we like to do things our own way, but I do feel like um, there was, it really just kind of escalated so much more of a divide. And I feel like, um, you know, what, what should have been a faster approach to getting a remedy to getting um, the right, you know, finances down to the right people. Um, I do believe that people should work hard for what they have and not rely on government. But I do feel like it's also their personal responsibility as leaders to be able to provide the resources in a timely manner that we need to be able to make sure the economy is still running well, the numbers weren't as high as they were. Um, you know, someone from me who has so many health issues, it's been, you know, pretty terrifying, but I don't live my yeah. life with that. And I, and you're in a community. I still take it upon me. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and I think that even when my gym is closed in March and April, um, which was, you know, what we dealt with down here in Texas, people mm -hmm. needed our gym for their mental health. So by taking away some of those rights, it just, it didn't sit, always sit right with me. I know they offered all kinds of resources like the PPP loans, which I wasn't able to be a part of, but you know, at the end of the day, I think that we need to remember what our constitution was built on and make sure that we're, you know, 
going through those um, those models and examples in the best way that we can. And I feel like they did, you know, pretty much drop the ball with with that one. But it's it's all a learning process. And at the end of the day, I don't rely on people. I rely on what I'm doing to make sure that our people are good. Yeah. And my question, so where are your parents from? Where's your family from? Yeah. So my dad was born in Mexico. He's, um, you know, uh, got some Cuban descent in that also. My mother was born in West Texas. And I feel like part of their upbringing being very old school Latino, um, they, they taught me how to toughen things out and just figure out a way. So I feel like that was very helpful for me during COVID, even as a business owner and as a role model to so many other leaders that own businesses and things like that. Um, again, I don't wait for anyone. I'm pretty self, you know, self-driven in that aspect, but we are in a time where grit is a, is a lost cause. And that's something I try to teach really strongly in my gym, um, having a what's next mentality, looking for solutions, not waiting for people to be hand feeding you the right things and just making sure that you're taking action in an ethical way. I feel like my parents and that upbringing, that traditional Hispanic value that's, that stood deep with me even now as I continue to build this business. Yeah. Hard work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The technology just makes it a little more efficient sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you're in a snowstorm and you have no technology, then what, you know, that's, those are kind of, I'm grateful for the disciplines they put in place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The winter storm was definitely, it was like, you know, completely caught us all off guard because it was beautiful the week before and then it was gorgeous the week after, but I enjoyed the snow the first day. <laughs> I really did. And then I was like, Ooh, what do I do now? <laughs> so I have a question, like, you know, you have a lot of different like people in your gym. They all have different political beliefs, religious mm -hmm. beliefs, right? It's like very diverse. That's the great thing about Houston and Texas really. So how do you bridge the divide? Do you just focus them on fitness? I mean, like, how do you like yeah. bridge it? Yeah. So for me, um, I just want all my secrets. I, uh, <laughs> I love all people and I understand, um, you know, that there are so many different positions and beliefs. Let's talk about religion for, for an example, you know, I'm an identified Christian and I feel stronger in that now as an, as at 35 years old than I did it at 20, but you know, not everyone believes the same things that I believe. And I feel like, you know, I carry those beliefs in my heart, but there's just, a, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. And I feel like when it comes to serving people, there's no limit to that. You know, I, I speak Spanish and I do as best as I can to help that community also. But mm -hmm. then we have Asian Americans here and, you know, Indians and different cultures of people that can easily spread our message with a loving way. Let's say the topic is fitness or mental health. There's no divide in that. Everyone mm -hmm. needs help with that, you know, and in terms of bridging a gap from, you know, one side of the spectrum, let's say politically or religious beliefs to the other, you know, it really just comes down to the humanity aspect of just loving people, you know, respecting differences. Um, luckily, we haven't had any issues here in the gym, but when you're working with strong-minded, you know, leaders, you're going to expect that you're going to run across some beliefs that differ from each other. I think part of what 2020 showed us was being open to topics that could make you uncomfortable. You know, mm -hmm. partly in the gym, we're building the mindset, which is a huge reputation that we have by applying mental training into the fitness aspect. Um, you know, they expect to get uncomfortable very fast. And so as long as we as people are continually evolving in our perspectives, then I think everyone can win, even if at the end of a conversation, you walk out the door with your beliefs still, still being what you believe the moment you walked in, but at least you're open to the conversations. And I feel like last year exposed that so much that personally, I make sure I could keep incredible people around me that are open to the topics and not afraid to speak up and also know when to agree to disagree. You know what I mean? Right, right.
because your values are always going to be the same, you know, like you love your family and you love your friends and, you know, your loyalty, those, those key values are the same, no matter where you're from, really. Um, People might have different perceptions on them, but it's really powerful. So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about like how you see fitness progressing um, into the future. Like what you do health and wellness and fitness, like, where do you see that going? For me personally, or just in, in terms of the industry? Both. Like, yeah, for me personally, it's, it's a pivot point. Um, I've been an athlete my entire life. I raced in Ironman and triathlons, um, while I was sick and went through like some medical issues and things like that. But in terms of fitness, it's a piece of who I am. So I'll, you know, I'm always going to continue to grow what I'm doing with that and speaking up about, you know, being proactive about your health and your mental health and all those things. In terms of the industry, um, a lot of things are getting rewired. I feel like, you know, last year, I think I was thankfully, uh, I was actually honored to be voted the top 100 visionaries in healthcare. And it was, it, it's, it's an incredible honor. <laughs> and that's a global awesome. recognition. Yeah, I was, I'm not even a doctor yet. So, you know, for me, it was um, one of those yes. things that <laughs> really made me think, wow, this is actually pretty cool. Like, you know, we're over here just changing lives and um, getting a, a great reputation, but there's so many other valuable people that are doing more, right? In terms of fitness, I feel like in an innovative aspect, um, we're kind of rechanging the game on what a gym can look and feel like in terms of community and, and help and serving and things like that. But at the same time, I obviously, most industries are going virtual. So our industry has to adapt to the change and you know, the risk takers and the true leaders, the ones who will be at the, at the mountaintops in five years, they're the ones that are like me that are in the trenches, changing what most people know as fitness. You know, for mm-hmm. instance, during COVID, we had to get very creative and figure out a way to still help people when they're suffering through depression right. and not wanting to get out of their house, right? And so it's more things like that that I see happening for fitness. You see all these new advanced technologies coming out to where, you know, you can lift weights with a computer, you know, attached to your wall. There's so many innovative things that are coming out. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like the, the main gym setting at some point will be obsolete, but nobody can replace the personal relationships when it comes to face to face. So I think yeah. there, is still, there is still beauty in that um, right this second, but you know, it's, it's definitely on a major shift and I'm, I'm very happy to be one of the, one of the people at the forefront helping to change the game. And I think community is such a big part of that because your gym provides community, you know, fitness provides community. And I just don't think as advanced as we're becoming technologically, that it's a replacement for human touch or face-to-face or being in the presence of someone and really getting to spend time with them and like hug them, you know, <laughs> can we just hug them? Exactly. <laughs> you know, um, but the gym's so powerful. So walk to me way out. So we're going to, we're going to go forward into that hundred years for you. What does fitness look like a hundred years from now? But I'm going to tell you a little interesting tidbit before you have to go there. So they, they have come up with these robotic, things that you put on your body that are supposed to exercise you and that's where we are now and I find that so interesting I'm like hmm so I really don't want a robot on me I don't even you know <laughs> they make me nervous oh yeah I don't know about all of that <laughs> in that case might as well just build a six-pack without the trainer <laughs> right I, yeah and the trainer's more fun yeah. also sometimes they're more cute <laughs> Acuteness keeps you motivated, keeps people motivated. Personal accountability, whatever works. <laughs> but in terms of a hundred years from now, wow, that's actually a great one. I think of the 25 years from now. So let's be, let's fast forward a little bit. 
um, well, number one, I see Houston, Texas, not being the most, one of the most overweight cities in the country. Mm -hmm. um, by, they said by 2020, 50% of kids were gonna be in the obese category. And that was before COVID happened. Um, here, wow. in Houston, here in Houston, uh, close to 70 to 80% of adults are in the overweight and obese categories. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of work that we have here just right in my face. In terms of the world, I feel a um, hundred years from now, I would like to think, and personally, I usually, I, I'm very loud about goal setting. So if I was in charge of the next hundred years, a hundred years from now, nobody's having to suffer from the basic necessities when it comes to health and wellness. And what I mean by that are some of the undernourished kids and, you know, the other side of the world, um, South America and things like that, and having a culture that is so pushed back from natural foods um, because so many of them are making us sick now. So I don't just think about the, the vanity aspect. I think about the overall health and having Crohn's and asthma and you know two tubes out of my left kidney for nine months and so many health issues by the age of 35. I know what it feels like not to be able to breathe and to not be able to process foods through my intestines because of it, like internal swelling that limits me from things like, you know, being um, you know, active and stuff like that. So for my grandkids and their kids, what I would like to set in place is that people aren't worried about where they're gonna get their next meal. People are, are educated on the basic things like gut health and hydration. And people understand that being active isn't being a, an Instagram bodybuilder. Being active is a way of life and it's a necessity just as much as it is to breathe and to drink a liquid every single day. And the education has to be more advanced so that people who don't have social media are still just as educated by examples that will trickle into a domino effect and probably take a hundred years so that the entire world understands what proper nutrition looks like. Mm -hmm. So how do you think that, um, you know, the kids being homeschooled, they're very sedentary in a lot of ways. I mean, do you think that's going to contribute to the amount of obesity or do you, do you see that changing? No, absolutely. I mean, most people gain eight to 20 pounds of, of fat, and I hate that word, but fat during uh, the Christmas holidays in any given year, they gain that during quarantine, they gain that during the holidays, and they gain that again, nearly again during the snowstorm here in Houston, Texas. So, you know, when you look at our kids, they're adapting to our ways of life. However, they're also genetically so much larger than we were in, in our age and that our parents were in that age. So if you believe that kids aren't getting sick, they are, they're getting, they're getting more sick, they're getting more depressed. And it's all because of our lack of an example, you know, and it's, it's, it is difficult because we're juggling so much, but it's more difficult when you're not feeling your body properly to perform at these tasks that you guys are pushing your bodies to the edge on. And we're showing our kids how to do the same. That's mm -hmm. not a great way of life in terms of what we're showing them right now, because the numbers are ridiculous. And looking at COVID, yes, there were so many different types of people that have been taken out with it. However, you're putting your body at more risk for things like heart disease, heart failure, diabetes, autoimmune disorders, when your body fat percentage is out of control as it is. So let's yeah. take those risks down and do a better job as parental leaders and community leaders at just setting the bar high when it comes to the basics, the fundamentals. We've got, we've got to go back to first grade to learn mm -hmm. how to take care of our bodies so that our kids can remember and, and, and you know, learn from our actions. And be motivated. Yeah, be motivated to get I'm waiting for them you know like our parents um they were on like the eight track tape and then you know it goes to you know the little cassette tape and then cds and then mp3 and then nothing it's all digital I'm waiting for kids to get to the point where they're like I'm sick of this computer I don't want to sit here another hour I want to go outside you know 
uh, I see my nephew, he loves playing outside, but I noticed like whenever they created Wii, Nintendo created Wii, it created a little more activity, you know, and then it kind of <laughs> went down, but it's like, you know, keeping them motivated. And I think another thing is that's interesting is like just portion control. Cause my grandmother, when I look at their generation, even my mom's generation, they're so petite, you know, they didn't eat as much as we eat. I'm sure they had their moments, but you know, they eat like smaller portions and more meals throughout the day. And, um, I had an appointment with a doctor this week on weight loss and hormones, really like hormone balancing, all that good stuff uh, that happens to your body as you get older. <laughs> uh, and what was fascinating to me is she told me, she's like, well, one of your challenges is you're actually inflamed. She was like, so I need to get your pH levels down because apparently when you're too acidic, your body's not worried about losing weight because of the fact that it you have to be in an alkaline state and you draw more weight, right? Because I work out. I mean, I go to the, I walk, I go to the gym. Um, so it was interesting to me because I was like, hmm. And so, you know, you have to get the little alkaline sticks in the bottle and all of that stuff. And I was like, I never even thought about that. And she was saying, this is something really interesting. She said that all the medications make the body acidic. I believe that. I, I mean, I believe that. And as a person who has an autoimmune disorder myself, like I do my best not to try, not to try to stay on medication and right. antibiotics and steroids nearly, you know, from the age of three, all the way to about 25. Um, and so who knows what the effects of that could be? I think, you know, I have friends that are doctors and in the medical industry and I, I value and love them and love science and medicine so much. However, we need to be able to make sure that we're able to nourish our body in the beginning because weight loss is 80% nutrition. Mm -hmm. A lot of things in our food are making us sick and that's reality you know so if we if we focus more on the basics the fundamentals you know then that'll allow us to continue to do things in an organic way medicine should be something that helps it shouldn't be the help in replacement to food you know what i mean the same thing for supplementation mm -hmm. help enhance our health but we shouldn't be taking things like fat burners and crazy things to be able to try to get healthy that's not how that works you know and i feel right. like where a lot of people are lost in that aspect. So kudos to you for going to the doctor to get, you know, at least that perspective. And, you know, I know that you're strong-willed and you can do anything you put your mind to. So uh, now you just got to match your actions with what you've learned more about your body in this season. Mm -hmm. Which is fascinating to me. I miss the pool, you know, it's winter. And so I don't swim in the winter, <laughs> but as soon as it gets warm enough, I'm there. Cause I'm like half mermaid. Yeah. Yeah. I've been swimming more too. It actually filters my blood. It, it feels really good. It, it's one of those things and I'm getting, yeah. older too, so I, I'm actually liking it even more now. Yeah. I love it. It gives you a peaceful break, you know, from the world exactly. and it clears all your energy off, which is awesome. So what do you think about like prepackaged foods? Like, um, the stuff that people order on the internet, is there anything you recommend or are you just like, no, cook your own food and go to the grocery store? You know, I think it just depends on the season. I, I feel like for most people, they're so busy. I think that the, you know, the fast food line is something that they just need to pull away from. Most women nowadays don't cook. Like that's just reality. And the younger they're getting, the less, you know, they're understanding in the, in the kitchen. And if you do cook and you're listening to this, you know, then great job because going back to just those survival tactics. I mean, down here during the snowstorm, you know, I, I posted a picture of my sister in San Antonio who was cooking, you know, meal full meals for her kids with candles not a lot mm -hmm. of people would have the self-discipline and just the figure it out out attitude to be able to make a healthy meal uh, most people are looking for convenience and you know that's not always the best way so in my opinion i would say 
take the time, the time investment and the financial investment to find someone who can help teach you those things, because that is in itself going to save you more money. I've had a, a client, actually my neighbor, um, you know, here at the gym, they saved a thousand dollars in their first month as a couple deciding that they wanted to get healthier. And we gave them a workshop on how to cook for the way that they like. And, you know, but to still make room for losing weight. And I mean, to save that kind of money, how could you not want to learn how to cook or, you know, go into a cleaner type of living style? A lot of people think it's really expensive to eat clean. Well, that's because they're not understanding how to get organized for their life. And if right. it's putting you in a way that's making you educate yourself, well, then that's money well invested. So what was your like go-to food during the winter storm? I'm curious. Black beans, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I, I eat them a lot just for my, uh, my autoimmune disorder, but I can live off of those things. So um, pretty good. My, yeah, for my daughter, she's a, a big egg whites fan. She could eat them all day long. So um, really simple things like that. Soup. Uh, <laughs> soups, yeah. I think I only had soup one time. It was really cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's great when it's like super freezing. Yeah. So are you ready to read your poetic address? Yeah, well, I feel like my perspective is a little different than what you asked, but let's go for it. No, that's okay. That's the beauty of it. You know, you, with art, you can't do anything wrong. So it's a poetic address to the nation about where you see democracy in America 100 years out from now. Yeah. Okay. You guys don't want me in charge, just saying. <laughs> I don't know. It might not be a bad idea. I, I would give it to everybody. Okay, you ready? start with mayor. <laughs> if they're listening. So we called this, Thy Will Be Done in 2121. Time to rise again, we've done this before. Our past set us free, speak truth forevermore. A hundred years have passed now, we are a different breed. Our grandparents showed us how to uphold our morals and creed. In kindness, love, compassion, respect, honor, unity. Massive action, leadership mixed with inclusivity. Courage in our hearts, we do not know fear. Strength flows in our minds, our breakthroughs so near. Peace and health consume our land, our visions cannot fail. From heaven to Capitol Hill, ethics will always prevail. If we should die today, let them know it's safe. What they almost lost too fast, we put in its right place. If anyone should wonder how we got it done, learn from their past mistakes, reset your story, day one. Awesome. Love it. Thank you. I feel like we pull away from what this country was built on. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I was writing that, I thought about obviously my, my own lineage, but it's, it's not that hard to go back to the basics. And I feel like right now we need to remember that and in loving and having compassion, that's there. We, we can do those things in the areas that people feel like we can't. And what I mean by that is to be in rooms, you know, I, I was in DC for advocacy about three years ago, um, advocating for Latino rights with a lot of different leaders from different countries. And I, I learned a lot that day, but for me, what I realized is that you can have compassion in Capitol Hill. You can get topics across mm -hmm. and deliver them in a way that people can perceive them. There will always be disagreements, but that doesn't mean that we have to take away from what this country was built on. And right. I feel like no matter what, whether it's a hundred years, a thousand years, you know, history can teach us a lot but so can our insides and i think the more that we listen to those those same things that built our country you know those instincts that made people want to come here to begin with then we need to make sure we're never losing those yeah that's so true and you know i think covid19 and even the winter storms teach us and bring us back to the basics you know of 
family and how much to appreciate electricity <laughs> and, and, and modern amenity am, amenities, but really to love your family and your friends because of COVID-19, you just don't know, right? Um, and it brings you back to being home. And, you know, when our grandparents and ancestors were around, they didn't have all these fun gadgets that we have today. I would have to ride to you on horseback, you know, just to have this conversation. Uh, and so that's the beauty of it too, is that it brings us back into our heart space and it gives us a little more time to slow down. Not you, you go like 90 miles an hour, but. <laughs> well, yeah, but I go, I go 90 miles an hour because not, most people won't. And yeah. at least while I'm here, I'm gonna go down guns blazing, leaving what I feel like we should be leaving in our your, our life's time. We don't know right. when tomorrow's gonna come that you know we won't wake up. So why are we wasting our time? And why are we not raising our voices? Everyone has an agenda. Everyone has, a, has something in their story that they're supposed to leave here. And one thing I love about you, Lex, is that you 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 honor your lineage so much through your work and through your art and through your reputation and the story of your grandfather. And you showed me that picture that day when you were recognized for the Texans, um, you know, just champions in the field or whatever that that um, exact organization you know was honoring you for. Um, it, it, I, I felt that because how, how can we not carry those things, those legacies with us in our steps every single day? That's exactly mm -hmm. what we're doing here today was teaching leaders how to walk with a better step, a deeper step, a better knowing of you're put here for a reason, but wasting your time and carry all those things from before you and take that bar further. Mm -hmm. And everything is art. Your body is art. You know, life is a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's the beauty of art, you know, with family, a lot of people will be, you know, in the Latin, in the Latin community, you really push, we're still pushing to have a Latino museum, to have a Latin American museum in Washington. We've been working for this museum for 10, 20 years, just to have our own establishment there, you know, because the museum monuments on Washington are huge. People from around the world go there and they see, you know, um, the National Arts Museum, there's a Native American museum, there's an African American museum, but there is no um, Latin museum. <laughs> and, and that's a goal that we have to create that, you know, so that way we can carry our lineage and people can learn more about us that the city of Los Angeles wouldn't exist without us. You know, that Spain had Texas, Spain had California. Spain was huge, you know, they were, they were making power moves back in the day, you know. So much so I had someone, you know, made a comment to me and they said, well, you know that America was founded on white supremacy. And I, I, I sat for a second and I was like, actually, it was founded by Christopher Columbus and he was from Spain. <laughs> you know, no cancel culture in the art world, you know. <laughs> And, and, and to embrace that, you know, the heritage, because even with my grandmother, you know, like working to get her place in the museum, because Google has a massive database of all of the Spanish artists, and that is pulled from different museums around the country, but my grandmother isn't in there. And, and even though she has the place in the art world, you know, and so, you know, I drag her and her spirit with me wherever I go, you know, and try to bring honor to the fact that you know, in 19, and she was born in the 1930s. So she was the first in her family. She was the first person to be able to go to school and the schools were integrated. And she was so excited to learn and so excited to learn to be able to read and write. And I think that's something that I can't take for granted that we shouldn't take for granted because now you have no, nothing stopping you. Absolutely. You know, in terms of your education and your life and the internet and all the opportunities and the fact that you can access a million and one mentors I mean, it's almost information overload on the internet. Exactly. And your life 
is like a painting and a piece of art and what are you going to create with it you know and every day and every sunrise is a new opportunity to create something and a new possibility granted it won't always be perfect you know <laughs> you might smudge the canvas some days you might you know mess up whatever you're painting and that's okay because the beauty of it is is you can recreate the next day and the next day you know and take the most advantage of now because really that's all we have artist work is never finished mm -mm. You know, there's a difference between not appreciating the milestones for someone so driven like you or, you know, how people, you know, these milestones that we're hitting with this company. But the reality is our artist job is never finished. How can people congratulate you for something when the piece isn't even done yet? You know, and so I feel like a lot of the things that we're doing, uh, collaborating with other leaders, it's just that. Why, why, you guys are always doing so much. Well, yeah, because we're not even close to fin the, the painting's not even halfway no. done yet. You know, no. it's like. And I know you understand that. So we actually have four layers of acrylic behind us right now. Oh, it's beautiful. And the, and the thing is, you're always, you know, you're, you're driven for the next milestone. And it's like, now you're at the point, and I know you're at the point, because I can tell by the way you do your projects, very similar to myself, is that you're very driven in thoughts of legacy. Like, what is my legacy going to be? Because of your challenges with your health and, you know, my car accident, it, it's like, what is it, what does it look like when you're no longer here? You know, you're kind of like the fitness version of Mr. Holland's opus. You know, you're going to have all these people whose lives you've touched. You know, some of them you'll never see again, but you don't know the impact that you've made on them. But I know it's huge. I appreciate that. That really means a lot. You know, you've blessed their life and, and your existence is a blessing. And I think that's the beauty of it is that even when we're long gone, the art we leave behind will still be here. Completely but we have to know those stories, right? So now mm -hmm. in an age of documenting every single step, <laughs> we gotta make sure we're documenting the right steps and the ones that are, are gonna be the most impactful because just, just as a mom sitting home, listening to a podcast or an audio, mm -hmm. it can equally be just as impactful within her own family lineage. It doesn't have to come in the masses of people either. And I think people need to understand that too. We all have a part in this. Well, yeah, and I think that, you know, being a mother is huge. I mean, that's like, I mean, is there a greater masterpiece that people have the way they contribute into children, you know, because children are the future. I mean, they're everything. And, and like, I look at my cousins who have, you know, I don't, I don't have children, but I, I love kids and I see them, you know, with their children, my sister, with their children. Um, that's such a huge responsibility. It doesn't end. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, and you're creating art every single day. And there's something beautiful about that, you know, and you're right. They don't have to paint a painting that goes in a museum. They may not be, be able to make it in the gym, but you know what? Just the self-care of their self and what they're doing to raise their family is really beautiful. I agree. So I just want to say thank you so much for joining me. I'm a citizen artist, artist with the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture for the People's State of the Union 2021. Thank you so much, Ms. Elva Trevino with the Champions Club. She has a fitness facility, guys, if you want to go work out or you need some mentorship or you want to contribute to some of her charity projects, radio projects. She's got so many things going on. Um, make sure that you check her out. Appreciate that. Thank you so much for having us on. You're welcome. Let's see you. Thanks for listening to Charity Network News with Lex Lumiere. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out online 
or please leave a review. Join us again next week. Until then, focus on creating solutions and making a positive impact in the world with your presence. Be kind, volunteer, pay it forward and keep shining your love light. Thank you.